Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Explicit Measures podcast with Tommy, Seth, and Mike. Apparently, Seth sings when he's nervous because uh, we started the podcast. He started singing. I hear his voice. Hey, man. <laughs> I was just, just trying to provide, Lightning uh, the mood. provide you with, with some calm, calming, soothing tones. It's, I it's... mean, I think they're soothing. Whether or not they are, actually, I don't know. <laughs> you know, like it could be just grating on your eardrums while you're trying to solve all the world's problems. Well, we were doing a bit of a duet, which was nice. Yeah. 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 Two, two different you know, songs. Next time, yeah, it's great. Next time Same, Tommy yeah. and I'll practice. Right. We'll we'll get our we'll get our theme song down. Yeah, exactly. Technology bites us. And uh I would prefer know, something we'll along the lines more of often like because you like it so much. Oh geez, tell me about it. Like should we write a theme song? I, I, I think it would be nice to have something like along the lines of uh James Bond, you know, bump, 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 bump. Like I'm I'm decoding the bomb as we oh. we're uh, figuring out the technology as we go. I'm I'm hacking in. I'm trying to yes. get the stream to work. The Power BI Red Pack. That's phenomenal. <laughs> Amazing. Awesome. By the way, especially to uh my good friend Kevin Arnold, who reminded me of the day today. Happy Tuesday. That it is. Happy, Happy Tuesday. Tuesday. Indeed. We are at the pay ultimate. The penultimate. Penultimate, penultimate of our 100th episode, which is insane. It's so close. Don't jinx yeah. it now, man. Right? Like, we <laughs> yeah. had technology issues this morning. Like, oh, boy. Who knows? Who knows? I think it's time to up- Mike, give it a whirl and Mike, go, go to we, upgrade to Windows 10. We, I don't know. Or Windows 11. I mean, Windows, Windows 11. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, this XP experience has been really poor. I'm not finding it. So <laughs> d- d- in- engaging. This Windows 7 is just horrible. I know. I want you up two hours before the podcast. Uh, all system updates completed days before. I don't know what it is, man. We're gonna start recording tomorrow, and we're just gonna go for the re- for twenty four hours. Well, what? A big, yeah, big old stream, <laughs> a big old there live stream. I'm sure we could do it. I'm sure we could talk for twenty four hours, man. Yeah. Oh man, I'd be bored of myself that's, by then. That's dangerous. That goes back to the previous song we were talking about, Seth. Filters go down. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna keep that offline. Um. Well, speaking of 100, and guys, we need your help for episode 100. We are asking the community to please post on YouTube and LinkedIn with the hashtag explicit measures with your favorite topic, argument, discussion, kind of tidbit from any of the last 99 episodes on what you really loved us talking about. What we're going to do is we're going to take all of the feedback and we're going to just kind of reminisce a little, see if we've changed our mind, uh, relive if we still have those same stances and really, again, thank the community. So it's going to be a really mm-hmm. special podcast. Now, why should you do it besides helping us out a little, throwing us a bone? Well, we'll throw you a bone or sweater right back. So well, you can, yes. That we're going to be giving away five pieces of clothing from the Power BI Tips store, yep. or uh, AKA swag. Pick whatever you want, and we'll and, we'll, send, we'll ship right. it to you. And the beautiful thing is, it's not one pre person; it's a lottery ball system. So every topic or discussion that you post consider is considered a lottery ball. So a lottery, yeah. Lottery Take it from ball. here, Mike. Take it from here. Seth. There we go lottery so uh we just enjoy uh working with the community it's a lot of fun we enjoy it uh we're having a blast learning power bi with everyone else or you know we're we're not you know we've been doing this for a while but it's great having people engage on the chats 
uh, in YouTube. So happy to give back a little bit. And with that, I think we should kind of drop into today's topic. Uh, or if we have any other openers, I don't think I don't have any other news or something else that I've seen going on that recently. It's kind of kind of quiet on the blog. Yeah, not, not a lot going on, right? Nope. So no no big feature announcements or releases. We we talked about Power Platform last week. So yep, we should be right next near the April update. Should be coming out any time. Yeah, it's typically around like the second or third week. Second or third yeah. week usually we start getting the updates. So looking forward to that. We'll see what kind of comes out here for April. Um, it always always feels good when there's like new features or new little, um, you know creature comforts that come along that are making things easier for you to use. I, I do enjoy looking for those and trying to figure out what's, what's coming up next. Do you like that there's only one blog post for all of it? Because it used to be desktop summary, service summary, mobile mm. summary. I kind of miss the three different ones, but I don't uh, know. What, I just recently, um, I, I just recently learned, so I am today years old when I learned that uh, TLDR or TRDL, I don't know whatever it is, too long, didn't read. It's like mm -hmm. the abbreviated version of whatever you're going to say. I kind of like it because it's a little bit more abbreviated. Yeah. And again, I don't have time to keep rolling through all the different blogs. It's nice to have one, I think, consistent blog of all the features. And I don't necessarily read all of them. Like Some, some right. of them are more important to me than others. Um, but I do like to have them in all in one place because I may miss yeah. something if I don't read the service one. or right. TLDR was the Too thing lazy didn't today. Read. Too lazy didn't read? That's what I heard it was. I don't know what it is. Uh, it's too long didn't read. Wow. I, I don't know. <laughs> like all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm like, I know what it meant, but what are the exact words? I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, I was today. I, I, I figured that. I out. think I think they consolidated it because it, it's the same issue you would have, like people going, well, what's like, what's the difference between the desktop and the service? Maybe that's yeah. a good thing. I don't I, know. Apparently I saw not. just throw it all on the, the same li page. The line Control is blurring F. even more. Control F. Find. <laughs> yeah. Find. Yes. Anyways. I think anywho. So uh, with that, let's jump into our, our kind of topic today. So evaluation context, or at least, you know, thinking about how you work with it and uh, overcome evaluation contest. This one's for you, Greg. Uh, you know, this, this is <laughs> so gonna... you can scream at us on the radio. You can thanks for doing our April user group now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can now monologue in your car. So Greg Baldini is an amazing uh, um Dax developer. He does some incredible things. He helped us out with some of our Dax hacks recently. He did a Power BI user group for us in Milwaukee, or actually Chicago, sorry, Chicago user group, um, where Milwaukee just kind of jumped onto the bandwagon here and allowed uh, Greg to speak as well. But great content. Um, but this is, is talking about a very specific part of Dax. Uh, what does evaluation context mean? So maybe just let's start off there. I'll kick it over to Tommy. Um, Tommy, just maybe give us a brief definition of, you know, in the context of Dax, what is the evaluation context? What is this phrase that we're talking about for people who haven't really delved into it very deeply yet? So this is the blessing and the curse of being able to use Power BI and especially the DAX language. What it actually does, being able to aggregate over thousands or millions of rows at a time and the speed that it can do it. And it's something called the valuation context. It's the context that an aggregation or uh, DAX, the language is actually applying its final number yep. there's two parts there's row context and there's filter context filter context is basically what you consider a virtual table if you say hey filter for only red in in the dax in the vertipack engine it's really saying okay this table imagine a table that's just red 
there's taking that table and filtering by red, then applying certain uh, uh, logic to it. So it gets difficult for a numerous number of reasons, because this is by far for anyone learning Power BI, the one that is the top of the mountain, so to speak. Yeah. I have a little, I have a little diagram that I show people when I start training them about Power BI and it, it kind of, there's this, this is learning curve that goes along with this. What, what is hard and what is most valuable, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can do simple things. That, you know, it's, it's valuable, but it's not super hard, right? Doing a, sim, a sum, averages, right. your scalar kind of calculations on top of a column of data. And then you start moving further up this context, you know, this, this learning curve. And I think where things get really challenging is when we start talking around what is filter context and how does filter context influence your various calculations. So I'm just going to throw out a couple things here. One thing I'll just point out here, DAX is kind of uniquely different than MDX. And I, I think, you know, the kind of, if you listen to um, or have read or, or have been around the internet, SQL BI does a good job. They've been around forever. Uh, amazing training that they have, highly recommended. Um, but they have, they've been around since things were MDX. So MDX, multidimensional models, is really where this, I think, was kind of born from. Um, you have MDX around, and then from that system, you actually have like this, you know, a version of tabular models. And so in MDX, it feels a little bit more like SQL to some degree, where you can <clears throat> relate tables, have multiple relationships between tables, and you provide calculations. And so this is where the concept of like the cube comes into play, right? What is the, what is the filter context of this dimensional property? So as I was learning about filter context, I think about the same time I was learning a lot more around facts and dimensions, identifying what is a dimensional table versus what is a fact table. How do those relate to each other? And so there's a, there's a vernacular that I like to use, and it's really around understanding what is a dimension, what is a describing property, and what is a calculated field? What, what would you aggregate to? So a good example of this would be product name, because the product names are... Um, a text that's a describing feature of some number. So when you think of it that way, you can actually say, well, this, this product has a, a weight with it. It has a length with height, even though those are numbers are still describing features of that particular product. Right. So when you start thinking in the terms of, is this a dimension or is this something I would calculate? Now you can start kind of putting your head around, okay, what does the data model need to look like? And I think once you start you know, if you can look at any visual and identify on that visual, what is the filter context of every data point, stuff starts clicking for you. You can start getting to the point of like, oh, I think I under I'm starting to understand what filter context does. Anyways, I'll just pause there and let you guys talk for a second. I'm talking too so much. So I, I think I think for me and you guys, like, man, I'm not I'm not developing in DAX every day, and you guys know this. So like, keep me honest here. <laughs> but. But the I think what's interesting is for for those users who think about Excel, right? Like you you create a sum and it's the calculation within a particular cell, Correct. and then you can you know expand that down and go through a column. Okay. There there are challenges walking into Power BI because of of the things that you guys are describing, right? Like so let's let's piece it apart, right? Filter context is as the first part, and it's also sometimes I think not sometimes was one of the biggest challenges are things that bit me all the time when I was trying to troubleshoot huh? is all of the filter context 
apply to that calculation and you need to understand which ones are are set right correct so technically your model is your model relationships are the first filter context correct right your 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 relationship between your facts and dimensions and how you set those things up is going to already out of the gate apply a context onto whatever calculation you're throwing in the table mm -hmm. then the one before uh, being able to see what was applied to a particular visual is on the page itself, you could have report filters, you could have page filters, and within the visual, a visual filter. Yes. So four different things are already potentially affecting the calculation. And then on top of that, you have slicers, right? Or um, any other uh, applied calculation that's already on a column or a row. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, what is that? Six different factors of what could be influencing your your what you would think is a simple calculation, but you need to be aware of. And I think that's what like this conversation is about. Like, hey, right. if you're not aware, right, before you even get started, <laughs> right, you have contact. It'd be the same as like, um, when do, what, it, what would be a, a similar uh feature function in excel is there one that would apply a filter across to a different tab or something like that yeah but that's kind of like what it's like right <laughs> yeah it, it would it you would be like that. somebody somebody building back-end vba stuff on in an excel area? doc and you have no idea how it's generating you can in, like, a, in excel there are influencing the calculation in excel there are filter functions that would let you filter things uh there are some interesting things in excel where you can do like excel calculated arrays of things as well right. there's some arrays piece and that's that's what i would quantify as like you know that is the upper echelon of your excel experts there are some very impressive calculations that can be written in there and i've seen I've seen Excel formulas that are 50, 60, 100 lines long in code because of there's, there's so much going on there. But to some degree, though, in Excel, you're thinking about a single output data point, right? So the comparison pieces, the formulas are the same. You're still doing filtering on top of it. But in Excel, you're writing the formula for one particular output data point. In Power BI, you now have this, again, what Tommy was talking about, there's calculated columns and there's calculated measures that are in there a measure can only return a single data point it's only returning one right. value essentially the same thing that you would be doing in excel however that same expression can change and this is what this is where it blew my mind when i started learning dax was that same formula can have you know writing the sum of this column you can use that sum against any dimension that you want and i was coming from excel Right. If I had Excel, I would I would build pivot tables and <clears throat> that kind of made sense to me. And pivot tables are using kind of the underlining technology in a similar way. But that's what blew my mind. It's like, wow, in Power BI, I can create a sum of this numerical column and any dimension I throw at it, it will automatically mm -hmm. break it apart, filter each filter context, and then produce the, the output number that you need. And I think that's something that DAX is really good at. DAX is, or, or the, the tabular model is very good at aggregation and filtering. So those are kind of like two things you have to keep in the front of your mind when you're thinking about it, evaluation so and filter context. My favorite part of this conversation right now, where we've gone is if I were to be driving, learning about DAX and listening to this conversation, just the complications here. Like, and I think we're doing a pretty good job of simplifying it, but at the same time, 
Like for me, I have to show people this from a visual point of view. And if I'm driving, going to work, listening to this podcast and trying to understand the six different types, I'm probably at this point driving off the bridge because this gets complicated. And I think this is the, why I love the idea here of we're talking about not just your mastery, but overcoming it. Like there was definitely that wall for all of us. I agree. Um, you know, and there because they are like I now realize one to teach it, but especially when I need to kind of like revisit, like why isn't something working? Mm-hmm. I have to your point, Mike. I have visuals that I look at. It's not so much reading something like okay, this table could be affecting it this way, and kind of understanding what's actually that return. But I just want to say for people listening and for us too, as a reminder, like this is a mindset change. This is not a language change. This is not a technical skill. There's a mindset that goes into uh, mastering this and overcoming this. And that is the hardest part. Yes. In, in, in kind of preparation for this conversation, I ran across one, a guy with the coolest name ever, uh, Rick de Groot and has, has a Groot, uh, has a, a blog on gorilla.bi oh, and yeah. I had never thought about it, the application of implicit filters, which is what we just described versus mm-hmm. explicit filters, which you assign in a measure, mm-hmm. right? In the same way that we, you know, have always joked about implicit and explicit measures, you know, as yeah. far as creating them, but like that puts a, an, an additional descriptive context mm-hmm. on what is happening right now because implicitly it's very easy to just apply a bunch of these filters but what is it doing on the page is what we're talking about and and identifying that you can get yourself in a lot more trouble right or not trouble but like this is how all of these features of filtering apply to the calculations and one of the reasons why power bi is so fantastic as it relates to interrogating and finding things in data because you can do so much with the same calculation and that's what people don't understand right like the lay business user why does it take you so long to develop that report man it's because you're asking some crazy stuff in you know it like hairy stuff in it and you asked for 10 different filtering and you wanted to see the data in this way dynamically like switch this context and what you're doing on this one report page would have taken 10 reports outside of this context. It'll, just build the report. I did this in the past. Like, no, you didn't. No, you copy paste from Excel and made your own table and made it work for that day. Right. That's right. exactly so. right. And that's, and, and the thing here that is interesting to me and where I am now doing more work around is what, when you build a formula, you want it to work in multiple scenarios. So there are, there are occasions right. where you're building. So this is where I think there is a, there's an interplay between what you want the visuals to do and what you need the calculations to be resolved for. And so let me see if I can explain that maybe a different way. It wasn't very clear. I am constantly looking at what visuals I want to produce. I know what data needs to be on the visual. And so I'm, I'm adding formulas. I'm creating calculations. I'm potentially manipulating the data in a way that allows the data to have a certain shape so that the visual represents what I want it to produce. So, you know, an example might be I have data in my data warehouse that is in two different currencies and I want to toggle between two to two different currencies on my report. So this is this is one of these scenarios of how 
there are multiple ways you can design things to have the exchange rate applied to different data points. Now you can do all that in the data warehouse, or you can build that into a measure or a series of tables and measures that do it on, that will calculate something like that on the fly. So you have you have the ability to be able to create, you know, additional properties into the report. So if I click this button, I want the data to show this way. If I click that button, I want it to show that way. So those are the kind of considerations I think you're thinking through when you're building visuals because the filter context is key, right? You could you, you kind of restructure your data. Oh, if I add a column, if I take my data and add a column for the the different you know, currencies, and then I can then pick the currency that I want, and then the data will show. But now you have to protect against, well, now you have two records, potentially, of every currency for the mm -hmm. same data point. So how do you filter, the, like, what are you doing to filter those out? And there's, there's a whole bunch of other considerations that you can think about when you start doing, like, more elaborate uh, evaluation context. Do you guys, to take it a little... Uh, curveball here or take a little to left field and if not we can kind of keep on the, the right path but do you guys remember oh, just go with it just man. go with like, it man just do, go does Mike does Mike ask you if he wants to like jump off the sidewalk you know into the into the grass no well, man, he just I'm goes. not a red apparently or just whatever your Tommy, Lego just, brick is just go just go, go with it let's go with it talk sweet nothing sick technology do you, <laughs> we'll figure it out guys we'll figure it out so do you remember your, your kind of your first introduction in a report or learning about evaluation context when that time of it um, came to be where you actually had to start learning it? Because I remember like, okay, Power BI, there's stacks. Okay, cool. There's a thing called context. Not going to worry about it right now. And then for me, it was this weird, you know, the first time like a relationship where you're like, I created the measure. And every bar chart was the same value. Like it was like 115, 150, 150. Like, that's weird. Why is that happening? Mm -hmm. And then just having these real wonky situations with, again, to our points with being dynamic, being able to work in different situations and having no idea. I remember I spent a Saturday. I told my wife, I'm like, I am today. I am reading the fundamentals of DAX. And I am not, this is also before kids, so I could say these types of things and say, I'm not getting interrupted. Um, and I just remember just sitting there over the chapter evaluation context and going, whoa, like just trying to wrap my head around it because it was just a different way of thinking. And it was so difficult. So that was kind of my first like introduction. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Walter, do you have anything? Yeah, right. <laughs> Rather say, say uh, Heisenberg. In the chat saying I, I look like Walter White, and yeah, one of your Heisenberg. like one of these days, maybe for Halloween. You know, I'll I'll game it up. Don the lab coat. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I I think I tried to approach dax originally like i learned sql you just mm -hmm. learn learn a bunch of functions figure out like where the you know constraints are like what the syntax of joins and all these things are and it, it bit me hard right because that i think if you don't come at dax from like a learning perspective first and like get your grounding but you're more of the business user that's just like oh this is fun like some right <laughs> Dax dax is like that i don't i don't know I, I lost the analogy right now, but it's like, it makes you feel so good because you're like some boom, visual working, drop a couple more on the page. And then you're like, uh, something's not working. Right. And, and then 
for me, it was like sum and then go figure out how to do this calculation, go look it up and somebody recommends some X. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. That makes total sense. Like, okay, yeah. great. Got it working. Yep. Why, why did you get it working though? Right. Because you're now applying row context within the measure, which you didn't think you were doing before. And it's now slow and all these other factors that you have no idea what's going on. You just think it's like, this is the function. And that, that was hard to unwind along with original versions of Power BI where you had no idea what filters were being applied on a visual, yeah. <laughs> which was finding like, what what is the thing on my page that is influencing this? Cause I'm yep. not getting the expected result. Exactly. And a lot of times it would be a filter, you know, that you closed on the filter pane or right. something like that. Yep. And I, what I, what I feel like potentially here is why this is challenging is the, so the simpler functions, just doing a sum, it's very easy to test it, and it's very easy to see it changing with different evaluation contexts. You can see how it's adjusting that. When you start getting to more complex measures where you need to potentially produce a variable or you need to mm -hmm. pick up you know, the context of where your, where your data point is, right? So you're using things like selected values, right? So when, when the context of something is unique, like we're talking about product details, if I use a selected value, I can actually determine like, okay, for this particular calculation, what is the part of the filter context and use that later on in another variable inside DAX. That where I think things get a little bit more challenging is the Power BI desktop tool doesn't really give you a good way of debugging or seeing or interrogating. Right. Like in, in most other code languages, you have the ability to like, you know, break stop the code, right? So you could, you could run the code to a certain point, pause it, and evaluate, see what, what does this thing evaluating at? What is in memory for this piece of data? And I think for me, that's, that's a part that's missing in like what it's in desktop because when you don't give someone that information, you have to be very, maybe called it metered, right? You have to be able to say, you have to be able to take your, what you want to accomplish and break it down into smaller steps, right? Okay, I'm gonna get the selected value. Okay, let's put that on a visual. Okay, what, what happens when I'm using that value for multiple different data points here how does that work and then you know when you're doing things like you know a, a three-month rolling average or other things now you're adding the context of okay i have a single data point which is my current date on my chart but now i'm i'm adjusting the filter context to grab a larger date range knowing how that date range is influenced and how those filters are being reapplied back to the data set that that's harder to realize than then because the tools don't support it. There's right. not good tools yet. Now, Dex Tabular Editor 3 has a Dex debugger. Have you used it yet? I've been playing with it a little bit. It is, it is proving to be quite interesting. I haven't, I'm not an expert at it by far. I'm just it's still dabbling and trying to understand how to make it work better for me. But that's, that is a good option to kind of start mm -hmm. seeing what does the Dex do and what is happening on each step. It starts giving you more context around what is yeah. happening. And honestly, all the situations we're talking about or all these different parts of it, I really love being in this space more and more because it's such a situational learning curve too. It's not just, oh, I'll read this and then now I know select from and we're good. I can apply this to many situations. Well, you may have mastered something in DAX or you know, like, oh, I, I understand this filter context but then you get a new request and, and a new project with a new data model. And all of a sudden you have to throw out 80% of what you learned because it doesn't apply to that data model. Hmm. And 
I, and that kind of is part of where I love what I'm doing and being in this space because you're always learning these weird little one-offs or these weird situations that help you kind of understand the bigger picture mm-hmm. because I don't think anyone except for Marco Russo or Greg Baldi say they've mastered Dax truly because it's, you have to figure it out based on the situation or the scenario that you're in. You may have a really good understanding of the evaluation context, but Again, I constantly go through like, great, I figured this out. I know how to use treat as, and oh, this is awesome kind of thing. And then a new request comes in, like doesn't work in this situation. Yeah. doesn't work with this data model. Yep. So, yep. yeah, there's, yeah. And the last part of that, like, there's obviously a component of what things are doing, like what functions apply, what it returns that obviously helps, but it's really taking all those little bits of knowledge. And it's that experience of those different situations. You know what? You, you mentioned something there that kind of piqued my interest, right? One one of the components of a measure working or mm-hmm. a, a calculation in general is that that I repeatedly hear is, well, your model has to be set up correctly. Mm-hmm. Like, but I've never seen a blog that outlines the specific, like, in oh, the context of evaluation right. context. Like, this is how your model has to be created for this thing to work. And those, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, and maybe it's just because it's it, it should be a simple, like, this is a fact. This is the dimension. This is the type of relationship you would need. But at the same time, if that's part of this, this um, conversation, a lot of times we're only talking about tables. A lot of times, like, here's a specific example of why it works and how it works. But it's not going to unless you actually have your models like set up appropriately. So uh, I'll, I would, maybe the way you're thinking about those blogs are a slightly different than the way maybe I'm, I'm impressioning them, but I, there are a couple blogs that I've done or other people have done that I've, I've watched where they're giving a, you know, how to make your matrix dynamic or how to do this X, Y, Z, you know, to me, they're like very, not edge case type things, but it's, it's an, ex, it's a very specific example. Um, mm-hmm. You know, where you have to reshape your data, like where I take I columns, the table, yeah. yeah, where I take columns and I turn them into rows, and I make a very mm-hmm. skinny long table, and then yeah. I use a selector that allows me to pick different items in that that table kind of thing. So I feel like I've seen a couple of these um, where things there are so there are so many business problems you're trying to solve. I think it's kind of hard to have like a co- collected list of um, data examples that of where people are reshaping data. Yeah. To, inc- to change their filter context. But I definitely think there are things that are out there that allow you to, to go find those kind of yeah. items. Mike, you said, I think like the, the key word here, the magic word where I don't think, I think people are getting it wrong where you need the perfect data model for the perfect DAX. That's not the case. I think it's, it's all dependent on the business problem, right? Where if you, you obviously need a data model that's structured and sound, but if someone's coming to you with some crazy return that they want, you know, that's going to be wholly dependent on your skills where it's not just a data model solving for that. So, but, but what I would argue here though, is you need enough experience with working with visuals to know what the data should shape like in order to get the request made. Yeah. Cause there, oh, yeah. cause in everything, particularly around building reports, there's definitely multiple ways you can solve the same problem. And, yes. and it it's experience. I think that comes around to say, okay, I can solve this thing three different ways. Which way is the most efficient way and which way will be 
the most robust way, I mean, what you don't want to do is you don't want to build a custom DAX measure that is so custom or so convoluted that no one could ever debug it. It's going to be hundreds of lines long. I mean, you try to avoid those. Inevitably, some of those happen. But you, you build something that's complex, and it's only used for one specific scenario. Mm-hmm. And I do think the adage is fairly true. If your DAX becomes increasingly difficult, the shape of your data or the shape of the model mm. is not right. And I think Marco Russo would echo that very much. If you just shape your data correctly to begin with, you can then severely simplify what DAX calculations you're trying to do or perform. And I've been working on some models that it's, this has been clearly the truth. There's too many tables. There's too much going on. Uh, you know, we're, we're trying to do too much work with the data tables, and we're not really sitting back and thinking about what are the dimensions and the calculations we need to produce to make an answer. See, the other kind of reverse engineer that I'll, I don't want to say argue, argue back, so to speak, but I think when we say, oh, you need the perfect data model, you need a star schema or a snowflake mm-hmm. and you're good and everything will be easy. You don't have to worry about, you know, difficult uh, situations in DAX. Yes. I, I'll, I'll argue that because again, it's the business problem. But the other side of the coin to me is, well, sometimes depending on the request, one to help you learn, but also two to get the final number, like there are some oddities to the table or the model that you can add in, you know, and I'm not saying calculated columns, like a calculated table or a group bias kind of as a bridge, like those little things where could you do it in DAX? Sure. But if you don't have that skill set and you have a model that can still be optimized, like, I don't think that's a negative at all. Yeah. I think for me, where, where filter context gets interesting now is, you know, you try everyone says, you know, start with a star schema, go, go with a star schema first. Right. right. And then inevitably there's something inside the data model where you have a many to many relationship or right. the way the data needs to be secured in a certain way needs, has to have a certain, you know, filter properties of how you're, it's in those situations where things start becoming non-normal. It's not a plain, easy star schema anymore. Now you have to make the decisions. And that's where things I think get hard is because what are, you're making trade-offs for something that could have a performance impact on how fast right. the report renders. So what does that look like and how can you make that work? Speaking of performance, that's a good segue <laughs> into row context, isn't it? <clears throat> sure. What are you thinking? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, just the a... difference between filter and row context, right? So technically, like, uh, I think in, in my mind, the easiest way to understand the row context was a calculated column right yes. automatically put oh, or true. creates creates row context yes um versus some of the iterators that you can use in a measure which automatically put you in that space where i outlined one that caught me <laughs> earlier on which was some x right because in some cases it applies you know this what looks what appears to be the same calculation on on a, a, a particular uh column so like the like what are some of those iterators, right? Some X is one I know of. I've used um, concatenate X a couple times, right? Mm-hmm. If we had some like so I, the X right. the X measure, X yeah. functions. Yeah. Right. I've used that one to the, the concatenate X to go grab like a list of items or, you know, for for a data point we need like a comma separated list of elements there. And so you need you need something that's gonna kind of rep repeatedly go through and iterate on all the mm-hmm. things uh to concatenate things together. So those are another ones that, that work. You know, so someone's saying max yeah. X doing a max well, x on top of like things fil- filter mm-hmm. right obviously yeah. yeah and honestly like i know this is going to sound 
heresy, but like I will use the calculated column to learn. And like, obviously I'll buy that tech debt, so to speak for, for temporarily. Very expensive tech that you're buying there. Buy timing. that. Buy no, that but obviously you must be very rich top- timey. <laughs> <laughs> I, again, I'm not intelligent, so I have to apply this. Accuracy. <laughs> so, but, but seriously, but just to see what's actually happening, right. Where I can visualize this in, in, in a calculated column, like, okay, if I do this, what actually gets returned in the raw set? Because obviously it's very different when you're dealing with, when you're doing the row context and calculated column, you're not dealing with filter context. So it gives you that raw background, right? Yep. So no, I, and I think from the performance side too, uh, I want to say that to you, uh, to your point, Seth, like I'll, I will purchase easily or loan out technical debt in a measure that I'm trying to understand and it may take slow, but I, if I'm trying to get the number back, like I'll go back for optimization, especially if I'm learning. Um, this is, this is a good point that you bring up. So a lot of times I won't actually do the development of the measure in the real data model. So, Oh yeah, this is, this is the scenario that I, I point out fairly frequently is if I'm trying to work out a solution, I'll typically go to like a brand new Power BI file in and I'll put in just enough data to mimic the situation I'm trying to produce in the main data set. So that way I have like a very narrow, like one of the things that's to your point, Tommy, there, like you have to test the measure to make sure that it works. And then if there's edge cases, like if there's duplicated records in a certain table or like if you're trying to look for things, it for me, it feels like it's easier for me to go into a separate PBIX file, build, you know, input data and I just go to Excel and I'll just make up some data points I'll throw in there and then I'll do I'll build the calculation there and prove that it works and then I'll probably do a little bit of extra testing around okay what are some of the edge cases where would this fall apart when would it not work so I know the limitations of what I've created and then once I feel like I've gotten the the mechanics of okay this measure looks like it's correct now I'll go back to the main model and repeat and add that measure back in you have to know what you're doing like it's not just it's about like an understanding right thing right, for me. Exactly. Yeah, I exactly. need to understand like what is it doing and why it's evaluating the way it is. So that's that's another you know use case where I'll just spend right. some time just developing that right. kind of stuff separately. I took the same exact example. We were doing a run rate, and it was a little complicated with a few. It's one of those like I need to see someone's second purchase on a Tuesday after they went to McDonald's. You know what I mean? Like you know, like okay, yeah, we'll we'll figure that out and do a run like so. I took a sample, you know, just random numbers, yep. but made it really simple where. Yep. Everyone's number was one, so I know it should return twelve. Yep, exactly right. right. Mm-hmm. So you, and it's also right. easier to know what the answer is, right? So if you right. know what the know data, the, you can yeah. you can fat finger it, and that's yeah. another part too. You need yeah. to verify your numbers right so that you can say yes, it is calculating correctly. When you're dealing with yeah. everyone who has hundred thousands of dollars, you're like, I don't know what I'm looking for. Yeah, what's the real right so, answer? I don't know. Right. Exactly and then made right. it simple, like why is that returning twenty four? Should be twelve. And I, it, so doing yep. that yep. is part of that learning. Oh, yes. Huge. I and I love that. I love that. Where I think my mind melt starts really hurting or where I struggled the most probably with fil- with filtering uh, or where the next became filter context aware is when I started creating calculated tables inside the measure mm. of the DAX statement. So this is where you need to do virtual like tables. virtual tables or you're, you're pre-calculating something to be used in the final measure. A very simple example, and again, this is not a good example, but this is a, a simple example. If you need to go get a filter criteria about something and count the number of records you appear to have, you can create a virtual table by, you know, creating a calculate table or whatever. It basically creates a multi-column table. And then you could on the return statement, just count the table name or, you know, and what it does is is it's, 
it's doing some sort of math. It's, it's creating a virtual table and then it's counting the output of those rows and producing that for you. And some, it works in your report. And it works in your report. So, so. that's that's the, the context. There's like some interesting things that are happening there where um, you need, again, you can't, you can't always see that calculated table. And so in those situations, what I'll potentially do is I'll make a DAX table mm -hmm. where I produce the table that I think I need so I can at least see what the table is doing. And again, more advanced tooling gives you this ability to do this without having to make a whole new table, but I'll create a table. And then once I see the data that's in there, like, okay, yeah, this is what I want. It's calculating the right aggregations. Once I see that, I can then produce that table inside my measure and then test it there a bit more. But man, it's, it's that row context that, that gets yeah. me in those kind of situations because potentially your table could be calculated differently for every single row based on what you're Especially doing by. a virtual table. And yeah, this has yeah. point the situation for me was Greg, the great Baldini was helping me with, we were doing a sum X on a virtual table. That was our return. Mm -hmm. And it was absolutely insane to have the row context in a virtual table. And again, that's where you start melting and going, I need three days off immediately. So yeah. <laughs> Anything Heisenberg. So let me, th let me throw a couple other. So we're talking like practical pieces here. Like what are we doing to, to get our heads around right. filter context? One of the best I don't know, informational pieces that I use fairly frequently is DAX.guide. So you can get to it a number of ways. You can go to the website, DAX.guide. Amazing. Uh, again, SQL BI has created it. Inside there, they have links to their articles about a particular function. They also have samples. Their samples of DAX statements that are in the DAX.guide is way richer than what I see inside the Microsoft documentation. I, I It's yeah. not even comparable. And then the best part of it is once you get into dax.guide, you can actually click in the sections where they have real code. You can say, try it out on dax.do. Yeah. And so what you can do is you can click that link and it takes you to another website where you're in dax.do and you can then change or tweak or adjust the properties of that dax statement to see what it's doing. Like if I delete this section out, what happens? If I remove this part or adjust this or change the filter context one way or the other, you can kind of start playing with the dax in real time and for me, that's, that's, again, how I like to learn. I like to understand. And I feel like that is a better way for me to start learning how to understand by using the combination of those two tools. So just two more recommendations I'd, I'd point out to people. Yeah, things and, that I use and, and find valuable. And un, unplanned, but uh, works out well for, for any listeners that want to dive into this deeper. Um, SQL BI just did another article on this that uh, they just, released. I put the link like, in the chat uh, earlier. Yeah, I, I, couple weeks ago, um, diving deep into the row context in DAX with a lot of these specific oh. examples. But um, as far as tooling and practice and, you know, learning these these different things, it's it, the, the great resources over there. So, and yeah, Marco, if you're listening, total coincidence. Um, he literally for... released a video two hours ago, like before we started. Yeah. Did he? Oh, he's got a video too? Yeah. yeah. Like today? Literally called so. Filter Context. It's like he, it's like so, he knew what was yeah. going on, <laughs> or we knew. I don't know. But um, we're pitching, pitching. Well, yeah, we, we go clearly from did us not know. Over there, <laughs> help an Italian out. Exactly. So help an Italian out. <laughs> phone, um, phone an Italian. Phone an Italian. Right. <laughs> not this one though. Not this one. Um, no, no. But I know. I I for me, I've been the constant help for me. Like in the past, but and I'll mention the Dax debugger again in Tableau Editor, but. I'll search. I'll just go to the SQL BI blog and I'll use their search bar. 
because there's some amazing articles from the past that still apply or that are just hidden that you won't find on a Google search that are from like 2017 or 2016 that have absolutely helped me to go, oh my goodness, like I didn't know you could do that. And what he's doing to the Dax.do uh, point, he's updating a lot of his articles where in within the article itself, it says, hey, try this on Dax.do. Or it takes you to Dax.guide and you can kind of go Makes through that sense, flow. Yeah. The other one is your old stomping ground, Seth, is the forum. I'll do mm. like a, a Google search, but just for the community site. And it's one of those, like, if you have this problem, odds are someone else has too. That's true. Um, That's very true. It's, it, it's harder yeah. to search that because some some of the situations don't apply or, you know, but honestly, that's a gold mine, an absolute gold mine. If there's a way to catalog that into like the best, that's a whole other. So I want to, I want to ask you, Tommy, about yeah. that. So when you have DAX questions, how are you writing a Google search that is specific to the community site? Are you, so this is, this is a little bit of a oh. hack, maybe an internet hack, right? Can't you? Yeah. I think I, I, I'm I'm pulling you here because I think you do something special to make that search work only on that site. Or do you just go to the mm -hmm. site and search for it? No. So I'll do a, my, old, my old SEO days and my yep. old digital marketing days. Yep. Yeah. So what you can actually do, and I'll, I'll put this in the chat or at least in the podcast. But if you do like in a Google, you can actually do some operators. So if you only want to search a site yep. you and you want to only, yeah. The word site, you can search site colon and, and then, then community.powerbi. And then it, if you, I see like a lot of returns that are don't apply, like I don't want to use like um, uh, earlier, right? You can actually do a minus sign and then a keyword. So none of the results will, Ooh. so I can get a really distinct list of what I want. So Google nice. search operators. Yeah. Because I love the community site, but if you try to search on there, it takes forever. It's really tedious. I always, I always thought my Google food was good, but you're putting me to shame, man. This, like, this dude, is a good that's, trick that's right crazy. here. Anytime you get paid drop, for drop something, it's amazing chat. what you learn. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, um, and then, yeah. So I'll put that in the chat. The last one is if you have not seen the Dax debugger, I already have since and it's <laughs> recently released. That has been something that is a, a site colon a filter context, technically. Um, but is it's been a huge help to kind of break down a large query. So there's a few videos on that. But if you have Tableau Editor 3 or another reason to get it for your company, the DAX debugger alone could be its own product. Oh, I totally agree with that one. So I'm putting the I'm putting some comments yeah, in here. I'll, so I did a little quick search on rolling average and then did site equals or site colon community.powerbay.com. I, I, Tommy, I'd be, I'd be interested to see what is the earlier comment that you were saying earlier. I don't I don't know what that operator does in Google when you're using the earlier. So what the operator does? Well, you use, no, no, no. Earlier, you said. Oh no, no. If I didn't, if I didn't want, let's say the word early, like the keyword earlier. Oh, so it's a keyword right. early. So you see, so I take that out. Example yes. search in, yeah. Got so it. If you do like site community.powerbi.com parentheses or um oh, quotes uh, quotes. Yep. Which, you know, make sure that those words combined. And if I didn't want the word filter to return, oh, interesting negative so, negative right. filter. Remove all, remove all filter. results with the word filter. Exactly, exactly. There's what a few the other heck? things, but just that side that community.powerbi is huge. So this really helps me kind of it's going in. This is it's going in my podcast in case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love to hear more about that. I'm gonna have to Google how to Google at this point because yeah, I feel like I've just been schooled yeah. very hardcore on this one. <laughs> Again. <laughs> 
it was a life back in the day. So, but honestly, like the, those little tidbits to help because it's amazing all the resources out there. And usually Google return, like if you do like calculation DAX, it's going to return the same results. But the more you refine, there are so many use cases you go, that actually applies to me and not just the forum, but um, blogs. And to your point, Mike, about use like the demo files, right? Where you'll like, you'll create your demo file. Oh man, if I'm reading something that I know applies and they have a demo file to download, <coughs> that's the first thing I'm doing. That's true. I'm downloading that demo file yep. and seeing what this guy did and trying to reverse engineer it to go, oh, I see. He had to do this first and that returned, you know, X, Y, and Z. So I, you know, that's a really good point that you make that. So this is another good topic here as well. One of the things, one of the projects that we've been a part of is in part of the community, and Tommy's very involved in this as well, is we mm -hmm. use this thing called DAX Generator. The idea here is, um, you know, my, my, I have a little bit of a beef, I mean, with, with Microsoft on this one. One of, one of my challenges is, are with DAX, people are writing the same stuff over and over and over again. And I really like the idea of quick measures for Power BI Desktop. It made a lot of sense. The downside of this was there is no ability for like the community to create their own quick measures and load them in. Now, there is a Power BI Community DAX, you know, um, uh, DAX quick measures site. You've got to comb through everything. You've got to look yeah. through all the measures that are there. And then you have to look at what they wrote and figure out how to like re-inject that code into your model, right? So it's not a one-to-one -one example. It doesn't give you a really easy like, click this, drop these, select these things from your model and just auto-generate the DAX. So part of the project we work with uh, Dieter is to build our own DAX generator. So the idea here is we can create a template, an example of how you would create a DAX statement and transform that into a parameterized bit of code. And so I, I think, to me, I think the game changer for a lot of this DAX stuff is I like looking at what other DAX has been written and leveraging that inside my data model. And so I feel like a lot of this, um, you know, community sharing, like let's make it easy for people to share their DAX statements across different data models without sharing secure data. This, to me, this is the level of where we need things to go. We need Microsoft to open up, you know, quick measures to be doing more things. We need a more ability to be able to add our own information into that so we can have more easily shareable DAX statements. And I, that's what we're trying to accomplish. So we have a GitHub repo around that. We have a whole tool that Dieter has made that allows you to then auto-inject this DAX statement. And it's super cool. I've done a number of talks about that. It's kind of been my 2022, you know, talking ring. It was been around this, you know, I call it the world's fastest DAX because you don't have to write it. <laughs> Every, everyone else has written these DAX statements and you can just go right. use it. But to your point, Tommy, this is, I mean, I really, I learn a lot from other people's examples, mm -hmm. right? They explain the challenge Here's the Power BI example file. I'm going to show you how it works, and you can go into that file and kind of, you know, adjust it so right. you can see how it's working. That's when I think that for me the learning really kicks on. Um, so and, I'm, I'm doing yeah. a lot of those. And specific to the evaluation context, those complicated DAX expressions break them down. If you are trying to learn, like just don't yes. take it and say return it. Like 
especially like I and I've used the the tool, which has been huge. But if there's something I'm, I don't recognize, like okay, what is it doing there? Yeah, I'll just create a DAX, like you know, whatever. If it's five variables, I'll t- I'll extract the first three to return that to say what is it returning? What is this doing that I don't understand? Yeah, um, all those parts, like all these little components and tidbits, are huge for that learning to kind of get that in your tool belt with evaluation context because if you were actually see i don't know what a manifest tool belt for evaluation context would look like but i think it would be larger than batman's like the amount of little widgets and gadgets on it you know and and so it's always trying to take something like i don't know what that little thing is doing here let me just try to return that and see what it's doing yeah yes i agree with that one a lot (laughs) i wonder if gpt3 could replace it Oh boy. The jury's still out on that. So we'll, until that, yeah, we'll, we'll see how so, that one's going to kind of wind up here. I mean, GPT three is a very impressive thing. I will admit again, this doesn't work in all use cases. Yeah, I have been using, I think it's from visual studio. It's called copilot. Mm. Very impressive. And I really like what copilot's doing. Apparently, and again, I don't know if this is exactly right, but apparently that is, scraping like all the code that is in github and then kind of doing some sort of analytics around like if you type a function or a formula this is more of like javascript or other kind of programming languages when you start typing a function it goes out and it searches for all kinds of functions that have that same kind of header name like parse string you know it 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 knows there's the number of code libraries it's kind of scary it's almost scary like there's the number and it's like it's pretty doggone accurate so um when I think that level of, you know, co-pilot, which I think is actually running on GPT-3, I don't know if it's, I don't know the technology behind it, but when that kind of level of helping can be brought mm-hmm. to what you have in desktop, I think we're going to, I mean, that'll be really huge. Yeah. And let me, I'm going to spitball here just for a moment around building DAX things. I think the super value comes from when does Microsoft start auto giving you best practices and saying, hey, look, you've loaded a couple tables and you've put in a couple relationships. We recommend you do these things and you can approve them. Like, for example, right, create measures, put them in a folder, um, you know, take the implicit columns or in, in columns you would use for implicit measures and, you know, turn them to do not summarize and hide them, right? There's, I feel like there's a level of Whenever I get to a model, there's like 10 things that I'm constantly doing all the time. It's the same stuff. I'm creating measures. I'm creating folders. I'm writing descriptions for all this stuff. Right. If Microsoft can automate a little bit of that, just just enough to kind of like say, okay, we've analyzed your model. Here's the recommendations. We recommend you provide these kind of calculations to start. I mean, that would be huge. It would save me yeah. so much time. So if you're not, if you're a tool developer, come hit me up. I've got ideas. Uh, you know, I think I think this is something that you could very quickly, to some degree, auto, somewhat basic in a basic way, automate it so that it just works. You know, columns like date, time, month, year, right? Those don't need to have a sum on them. You're not going to sum the number of ye- the, the the year number, right? That doesn't make right. sense. So there's like very common things that I think you would apply to a model that helps the filter context later on. By building the proper functions and measures right. for you initially, so I think that's that's the direction I'd like to see Microsoft go with that. Use GPT three to help you build better models. Right, right, yeah. I, I just there's a preview 
for Power Apps that they set up behind the scenes of how it's working in Power oh, Apps. Oh, interesting. So it's a really pretty technical article about sure. what they're doing right now. And I know they're trying to use the same um, it logic, the same coding for uh, Power BI. So there's definitely that wrap. But honestly, man, as much as I'm excited to see that, it's so different from compared to Power Apps where that's like button based. Like a button can only do a few things, you know, but you're so... Again, part of what I really do love about Power BI, the most frustrating, but the kind of the most stimulating is it's so dependent on your model. It's dependent on what's available. It's depending on your relationships, on if you have seven values or 20 values in a column. And then that's the optimization piece. So I think there's definitely a place for it. I don't want anyone to say, well, I'll just wait till that comes out and then I don't have to read the uh, definite guide to DAX. Uh, there's a question on, on YouTube. Who is responsible for the wrong results from GPT-3 in generating DAX? <laughs> oh, this is, is, I don't know if it's an ethical question, but this is a good question to ask, <laughs> right? If the thing, if you ask for average sales of whatever table, right? Average sales of this, and it can't produce the right DAX statement, who's like, how, for a user who's new to this stuff, there's a challenge I think presented to that, right? If you if you show up and you ask a natural question and the answer doesn't come out right, I think you have a very short window. And I think that I think I've observed this for like Q and A in Power in Power BI. Mm -hmm. Like you have the ability of writing a question and it tries to produce a chart for you. You will try that a couple times. If you don't get the results, so you're not finding the mm -hmm. immense value from being able to work with that part of the tool. I think you just abandon it. I don't think it. I don't think your first couple experiences around that feature if they're not a very good experience or out of the box you're not going to come back and use it again and that's i know maybe that's how desktop was for me right when i used power BI desktop instantly i found value from it immediately right within a couple of minutes i was able to model some data i'm sticking stuff in visuals were popping on the screen it made sense to me i loved it and if, you, yeah. if gpt3 doesn't do the same thing it doesn't wow me in the same kind of way. I'm, I'm not going to be able to use it very much. I'll give you the short answer. If you use it and publish it, it's your fault. <laughs> so That's true. That's true. Yeah. At the end of the day. I would agree with that. It's the report owner. It's the report owner. Yep. Mm -hmm. Even if you're using something else, it's going to be on you. Right. Well, if it breaks, they're not going to go back to GPT-3 and say, hey, you, why is your measure network? And they're going to come back oh, to yeah, you and say, that to, it's wrong. your marketing <laughs> manager. Oh, no. It's Microsoft's AI not working. It's Sorry. wrong. <laughs> Just here, look at this GPT-3 article, read but, the white paper. But at the end of the day, what they're trying to do is they're trying to bring, like, your the the average, an, a normal early user, a, you know, a, a new adopter to the tool. They're trying to help them along quicker, right? I mean, again. It's the bar charts. Yeah, right? <laughs> I don't know. We'll All see right. how it works. There's, there's, a, there's a point in time where you can't help enough and it needs to be, you just right. need to understand, right? Maybe there's other areas we should spend our time and money around helping people understand why and what it's... Again, this is where I would say the argument might be made, okay, you're using this auto-generated code. Maybe the right approach here is not use that. Instead, help us give us a, a better debugger for what the DAX is doing, right? Help us understand what is the evaluation context throughout that statement. Maybe that's where we should be putting our money because that that might add more value to, yes, you don't, you can do the basic calculations, but here's a better way of getting into these more elaborate formulas and understanding what they're doing. Well, Mike, at the end of the day, at least we're not asking Cortana to help. Well, we're not, not you yet. Don't, you don't, 
You don't do that? I do all the yeah. time. You don't have that little button inside Power BI that says Ask Cortana, and you have to like actually try to explain your question? She creates all my reports. <laughs> she uses calculated columns. <laughs> <laughs> I pre-configured her that one. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Right. Well, with that, we've kind of burned through another full hour. I hope you found some of our conversation helpful around what we what we perceive as evaluation context. Greg, I'm sorry. Uh, this is- <laughs> if you want to come to our user group uh, in the next coming we months and talk everything about we said wrong, evaluation yeah. context, uh, feel free to reach out to Tommy or Mike. This is this is a direct <laughs> shout out to Greg. You're more than welcome to monologue your way in the car on the way to work, uh, doing some Record more. It. Please record it. Yeah. Dak record it so we can. Episode one hundred and one. Exactly. <laughs> Greg's reply. Special episode coming from Greg to be able to uh, talk more about right. filter context and and the 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 concept that is there. It's it's a deep concept. It's a heavy concept. Um, you know, I encourage you to start learning, engaging with it, find people in the community that are doing it uh, and using it. And again, with a lot of these things, it comes experience comes with time right. using it. So, anyways. I'll just say this. Uh, thank you all very much for listening to the podcast. We appreciate you burning an hour with us and of your time. Hopefully it found value. If this does find value, our ask is uh, please give us a thumbs up or a rating. And if you wouldn't mind, share it on one of your social media platforms and just say good conversation today. Uh, Mike was way off base. Tommy was spot on. And Teth had Seth had good deep thoughts and insights like he always does. So, and he looks like Walter White. And he looks like Walter White. Yes. Right. I, I, I'm a new Google. I'm, That's I'm, the takeaway. I'm, bring, I'm bringing the glass. Like, I'm, I'm going to go hat. buy the glasses the and hat, man. It doesn't we'll matter see. when you're on a podcast. You can't yeah. see anything. So, I mean, this, this is yeah. only for the YouTube folder followers. I think it, <laughs> it comes through it, the voice maybe, audio. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll drive them to <laughs> come, come visit yeah. us. I am the danger. <laughs> <laughs> the Dax. <laughs> awesome. Tommy, uh, where else can you find the podcast? Yeah, guys, um, again, big push for the contest. It's going till midnight tomorrow. So make sure to get your post in hashtag explicit measures, Mm -hmm. favorite topic, conversation, episode. You can search the whole thing on YouTube. You can search all of it, sort by the oldest, the newest news, the oldest on any podcast platform, Mm -hmm. your favorite topic uh, post. We're giving away some free swag and please do that by tomorrow at midnight. If you are watching Make sure to subscribe on Apple and Spotify. Leave us a five-star rating. And again, search anything you want to search and uh, leave it up to the podcast to figure out what you want to talk about. I don't know. And then I'm losing it. And then if you're on YouTube, you're here. So, okay, I'm done. Wrap it, Tommy. Goodness me. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you all very much. We'll see you next time.